0: Like, I think when we went up 3 2, I think just I think we had a feeling we all thought we were going to win in Dallas. And then, you know, once they won, it kind like now it's like, even though it's home advantage, it's like, you know, better than me, like game seven is just like now it's up for grabs. Like, you don't even, I don't think you're to feel the home court advantage as much because they're so confident. And now it's like there's really nothing to lose and they're just going to go out. Just play the what they've been playing, and um, yeah, it got it got real scary. It got, I remember I just looked up, I just felt they were just scoring every time, and just goddamn feel and all them. I could just I could hear them. I could just hear them every time they score, and just the energy every single time. And we're not scoring that much, like at all. Um, I just look up. I just look up. I just see the score. I'm like, man, going to half down thirty is just ridiculous. And now it's just like coming back out, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start off hot, like out the jump through the third. Like if not, then you really have no chance. And then um, man, we couldn't even score coming out and they just kept going. They everybody had their rhythm. And it, I mean, credit to them, man. They played everybody played really well. Um but yeah, it's just it's just didn't think that would happen. Never didn't think that, especially Dallas, like Dallas is good. Um, but, like, I don't remember, like, besides this playoffs, I don't think I lost them in, like, the Suns haven't lost them in years. So, it's just like every time we play them, we're like, oh, we have their number. We have their number. And the motherfuckers got us.
1: How yeah, man, before I get sidetracked, I'm not jacked about that. Let's reel it back in a little bit. Alec, I think first thing we have to do is last time we were on the mic, I was pretty cocky about how I felt about the Phoenix Suns. And, I mean, I don't think you felt necessarily as strongly as I did. Or what I should say is I know you felt as strongly as I did. I don't think – I think we voiced it a bit bit differently. But here we stand, not in the NBA Finals, not in the Western Conference Finals. The Phoenix Suns losing seven and arguably the most – disappointing, surprising, horrific. Lots of adjectives to throw in there. Way since last playoffs. So two for two on absolute blowouts on the season in the playoff runs, where it looked like we had the series secured last year, obviously the finals this year to uh, Luka Doncic, what could have been the future Phoenix Sun Hall of Famer. I just – how do you feel at this point about the Phoenix Suns season? Do you, was it a success or a failure?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, it started off on a more positive note, happy uh, 69 day to all those who celebrate out there, you know, celebrate responsibly, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. After, you know, after getting, uh, after getting some weeks to decompress about it, I think it's done me some good. I think if we, potted right afterwards it would not be as uh well thought out i'm i'm actually probably surprisingly a little more optimistic than i'm assuming you and most the other guys are gonna be which is not common for us but true i i don't think it's a i don't think it was a failure of a season it was obviously disappointing um but i think that just you know we we as a fan base let the success go to our head a little bit where it's like championship or bust And I think we then can appreciate what that team actually did. Like, did it end like we wanted it to? Absolutely not. Was that a pathetic showing in game seven? Absolutely. Are there things we need to address? 100%. But to step back and look at what this team did, I mean, that was the most fun I've ever had watching a regular season. And that includes, like, the 06, 07 Suns who were, you know, equally as fun to watch with Steve Nash and the running gun, seven seconds or less. So, you know, 64 wins, franchise record, didn't end the way we wanted it to, but to call the season a failure, I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think it was a successful season that we can build off of.
1: That we can build off of? Yeah. With a 37-year-old Chris Paul and a lot of expiring deals? Okay. But before we get into that, um, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, I think there's definitely two ways to look at the season, uh, without getting you know, without hopping into the off season too quickly, or even the playoffs. Is one obviously to kind of say a little bit of what you said there was. I mean, watching the Suns that entire regular season was marvelous. Um but also very flawed at the same time because you look at those clutch stats and, you know, even watching them, it was like the last five minutes they just gave the ball to Chris Paul and then he just clutched the dub, which is tight, obviously, and it leads to a lot of wins, but it almost kind of makes you think, like, you know, would you have been better served maybe winning winning a few less games? and you know developing more for the playoffs so i think that's kind of tricky but i mean regular season i mean people are forgetting like 2 years ago i mean not making the playoffs and going 8 and 0 in the bubble was like the highlight of the year for the phoenix suns so i mean not making the playoffs after winning 8 games in a row versus um you know losing in the finals here and in the second round where realistically we probably should have made the western conference finals but um, you know, would we have beaten Golden State? I think that would have been tough. Um, doable, but tough. But, I mean, obviously, we couldn't get past Luca, and, you know, why that exactly is. Mikhail had his uh, recent JJ Redick media session where he said absolutely nothing, uh, basically. <laughs> so, I just, I don't know, man. I, I guess mixed feelings. But also, like like you said, it's like the franchise itself is actually watchable again. And considering it's not like it was that long ago where it wasn't, I mean, if you're, you know, that's it's all positive, truthfully. However, I would say simply, like, if you're the Phoenix Suns and you're the roster and you're basing the season and, like, how it went based off the talent in the room, the type of organization you are today, I think you would have to consider it a massive failure. I I just think that there's two ways to think about it, and I think either one is, like, totally fine.
2: No, I can can definitely see that. Like, it was disappointing. This team was built for more. We've seen them do more. But, you know, I think you still got to bring it back to the scope. Like, it wasn't that long ago that, In back to back games, we got blown out by forty plus points to the Trailblazers and then the Spurs. Like the how far this franchise has come in such a short time and doing it the right way with like building and getting good draft pieces, making good acquisitions and trades and just building a roster around that, I think has been the right way to do it. And I think that we've reaped success faster than most teams could hope for in those situations. You know, most rebuilds you're talking years and years, and ours was a pretty quick turnaround. So I just, yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from. I get the frustration, obviously, you know, we know we can be better than that, but it was just something that I feel like we got a little, you know, as a, as a fan base, we got a little too, uh, too cocky and arrogant with our expectations. And I, you know, I just think we need to take a step back and appreciate what we've got going and what, honestly, I think we can still keep going for the next couple of years. So. Okay. it'll be interesting
1: okay all right so now that we said that piece you know i i'm definitely more with you or like i'm just excited the suns are good again but i also like you know no doubt disappointing playoff run and so let's start there what the heck happened in the second round bro what the heck happened did i decided to have he didn't even show up, man. Like, and uh, there, obviously, there's some COVID reports out now. Like, oh, the Suns might have had COVID. I mean, truthfully, people are saying the Suns leaked that. I don't think the Suns leaked it because then it's like, all right, well, you didn't follow NBA rules. I don't know that that's something that the Suns would like to leak as an organization. Um, but I also like, you know, I, how much COVID plays a role. I don't know, um, truthfully, because Chris Paul, he just looked, they just looked like he sucked. He just sucked. And there's nothing more to say about it. And then, like, we would, we were going back and forth for a while there. And it's just like, you know, if Chris Paul sucks. It's literally Booker and the boys. And that's just not enough, especially when the boys are struggling. Aiden had his struggles. Um, he had a couple good games in there, and he kind of disappeared. And obviously that whole blow up with Monty we'll get into in a moment. But even Mikhail, Cam Johnson, Jake – it was literally Jake Crowder and Booker for, like, five games there. And then game six and game seven, they just, you know, blitzed and doubled Book, and nobody could help. And is there anything there that, like, you disagree with, or was that a pretty good breakdown?
2: That was, that was a decent breakdown. The only thing I disagree with is, uh, you know, obviously – CP3 going MIA was not helpful for the team. But when you say, you know, CP3 going down and then it's left to book in the boys and that's not enough. I disagree. I think without CP3 that team is still better than the Dallas Mavericks and better than a lot of teams in the NBA. Obviously when you got Chris Paul going that's what brings you to the elite top tier status. But the issue is like yeah, Chris Paul didn't show up. That sucked. But nobody else did either. I don't know like Cam Johnson has been MIA ever since that weird contusion that he had that like sidelined him for a month. He didn't show up at all in the playoffs. McHale played terribly most surprisingly on the defensive end too. Like, you know, that's usually a staple. And then we just get a lot of nice offensive production, but he was just bad on both sides of the ball. The only guy, like you mentioned, like really doing anything was Jay Crowder. He had a terrible first series, but then just came alive in that series. And we wasted a bunch of like six plus three point performances out of him. And so it's with that combination that you just can't overcome that. And that's really what the Mavericks did. You know, I, I I truly believe, and I think it's a little bit validated in how that golden state series went in the Western conference finals. I don't think the Mavericks won that series as much as the sun's just lost that series it's not like the Mavs played some insane out of their mind game. It's just, you know, they had that one game where they hit a ton of threes and that, you know, you got to account for that every now and then, but the sun's just, if they played their game just one time in the back half of that series, they move on. And every game they just came out flat and just had no shot. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what happened with Chris Paul. I, I, And to your point about the COVID reports, you know, I see a lot of people, especially online trying to spin it as like the sun's trying to make an excuse. There's no world in which the sun's would leak a story like this. It doesn't help them in any situation. It doesn't help them with fines. It doesn't help them with not following protocols, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So I think that that is just completely asinine that people assume that that's a sun's report. Um, I also don't think it would explain necessarily everything. Um, and, you know, if you want to get into it, you know, a little conspiracy theory, uh, Luka Doncic was sick after game one. Uh, Throwing up, had flu-like symptoms, and he ended up playing through and not getting tested. So if that is true that the Suns experienced a COVID outbreak, what are the odds that it started with Luka?
1: I would say a 100 million percent. Yeah. I I, could, I mean, that's where they would have gotten from, no doubt. Plus, like, but if I they don't... were really able to hide – if they were really able to play players that were sick without doing it, like they weren't the only team for starters. And so, yeah, I mean, that's probably like 100% factual is what I would say to that.
2: If- yeah, and this is before all the supposed positive tests came out for the Suns later in the series. But, but again, I also don't think that that's necessarily an excuse for what happened because well, even I, think-
1: I don't think there's an excuse whatsoever.
2: Um, yeah excuse is the wrong word explanation is a better word the explanation I don't know if we'll ever know I think it was something mental because that team just didn't look like they cared to show up or play like that's that's the thing that pissed me off I think the most because I actually unfortunately went to game seven I drove up from Tucson (laughs) paid money for a ticket showed up to the game and anyway, we had 27 points at halftime. And, like, if you just have a bad game or a bad series and you end up losing, but you fight your way through it, I'll give you some credit and some respect. They didn't look like they gave a shit out there. Like, it didn't matter to them that they were getting blown out. There was no sense of pride of trying to fight back into anything. And that's, I think, the thing that rubbed people the wrong way.
1: Oh, most definitely. Because, I, I, I mean, I'm with you. Like, if you, if you go out, Blaze of Glory... You know, if you just literally just can't make it three, but you still are hit like shooting wide up in threes and they're just not going in. Well, if you're just battling to the basket and then you're not getting the rim roll, that's totally different. I think the fact that you saw, you know, you know, I guess we, we can go, we can pivot to this because I, I don't see that I disagree with anything so far. Um, you know, Everyone's blaming Aiton for quitting on the team and Monty's very specifically called him out and they had their little dust up in the heat of the moment. Um, it seems like obviously there's more to that, which we can touch on as we go too. but uh, nobody really decided to play that day. And I've never seen anything like that in my life from a team as good as the Suns are. Like, I don't even know. I don't even, like. I don't know even know what I watched, truthfully, and that's kind of where it's like, okay, well, like it got to Game Seven and they just didn't have it, and it's like, okay, well, there was also Game Six and Game Five, and then there was also Game Three that everyone forgets about where Chris Paul fouled out in Dallas, where or was that Game Three or Game Four? I forget. But I, I think like, green, yeah. if he decides to play at all, then you're like the series is over because. Like, that that game was winnable for the Sons, and then they didn't win it. And so it's just like, okay, well, what the heck happened then? Like, even if you remove Game 7, if you take on Game 7 as its own thing, and you're like, okay, that's just like a fluke game, like whatever, these things happen. Sometimes the team has it. Sometimes people don't. It's like, well, the rest of the series, they didn't have it either. So clearly something led up to Game 7. And the Game 7, it seemed like, it seems like, there's something wrong when stuff like that happens. Like when it's when it's that bad, you have to it just it, it only makes sense that there's real locker room problems. Like real locker room problems. Not just like, oh, there's like, you know, people getting on Aiden or oh, like, you know, I don't even know what it could have been because it it's like it's so it's so bad that it doesn't even matter it's just like that's like that's toxic right there whatever just happened
2: yeah no it definitely makes you think that there was something more going on that's not just like a, oh we just had a bad game
1: and and, and then you got to look at like who's the leadership in the room monty williams what's going on man like that's your locker room like what what's going on in this locker room that you know, the team seemingly quit and Chris Paul, like I thought you were where's my veteran leadership? And you know, Book like Book had a bad game six and a bad game seven, but I think that's way more explainable by the fact that there's no if Chris Paul isn't around, there's only one ball handler and that's Devin Booker, and that's really not his best
2: skill. Like Book oh, really yeah. did- Book- you, can, you can explain away Book's bad games by the fact that he's getting double teamed because they know nobody else is doing anything.
1: Double team and blitz that nobody is doing jack. And like, I'm not about to put this on Booker whatsoever. Um, because he seems like, I mean, he gets it, man. Like, uh, and maybe why he'll always get the Phoenix Suns franchise excuse is he was there through all the trash, dude. And he knows how much it stinks to lose, and he didn't leave. And he's like, even in all this stuff, you're like, it's almost like he's the only one who gets it. Like what we're talking about, it's like he gets what it's like to lose so much that you would never, you would never show up to a game seven in the playoffs like not wanting it. It's just he didn't have it because no one else had it. No one else could help. And so, yeah, man, I, I, I'm at a loss. I think you know some some underneath things that. People say about DeAndre Ayton, about how he doesn't really have that dog. Um, I think you could say the same about Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges at times. I think, really, there's a lot of things to point at, honestly. And there's a lot of finger-pointing going on. And I don't know. For Monty to bench DeAndre Ayton like that, though, man, I thought that was weird. I thought that was really strange. And all these reports coming out now, like, it makes you really think how, how bad was that locker room. Because DeAndre Ayton and the boys, like, you know, that's that's a different vibe than DeAndre Ayton and Monty in the front office. You know, and so he might have been giving it all for the boys, but then it's like he has Monty talking to him. And he's like, yo, fuck you guys, dude. You don't have my back. I'm playing for my guys, so I'm not playing for you.
2: Yeah, you wonder how long stuff has been brewing with the, you know, not getting maxed back in October, the amount of stuff, you know, whether you like him or dislike him, you know, he has yeah, whether sacrificed. or
1: not you think he deserves it or not, like we're talking yeah. about just straight locker room chemistry at this point. Because game seventh, I was something; It was not
2: nothing. Well, I, yeah, and I was wondering when we were going to get to Monty because, look, I love Monty Williams. The dude can hype up a you know a team. He can give a prep game speech like no other. He's got his little quotes that are uh, you know printed on hat. The well done, better than well said, all that stuff. And I think he was an important part of the culture change in Phoenix. That being said, he's lucky that coach of the year is a regular season award, because if they even took one look at what he did in the playoffs, like he wouldn't even be a candidate because that guy made zero adjustments. He got out coached in back-to-back series by Willie green, who I'll give you is a, is a good assistant coach and looks like he's going to be a good head coach but then Jason Kidd, and I will not give you that Jason Kidd is not a good coach. He is a low tier to average coach and he coached circles circles around the supposed coach of the year. So, you know, congrats on the great regular season, but I mean, man, it makes you almost want to be like you want to give that trophy back after that playoff performance. Good God. I mean, like how many times are you going to watch them pick so that Luka Doncic is going up against Chris Paul and just, him that Like, how many times are you going to watch that I guess, happen before you stop and say, hey, let's do something else. Let's try anything else.
1: The biggest thing is the biggest difference or the, I guess the biggest, like, discrepancy that you see there, because I kind of disagree with you on the coaches. I think Willie Green, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, like, most, uh like, a lot on the Suns, like, a lot, a lot.
2: Well, no, no. That's why I'm saying and really green. I'll then, give him that he's kid, a good coach. Like he, he
1: was the coach of the, the Lakers championship winning team. And then when he was on the Bucks, Giannis loved him and like didn't want him to go. So I think he's just kind of found the right situation, but I think you're right. I don't think it's like, oh, like that's an excuse. Like you went up to a better coach and you got coach circles. It's like, no, like, Jason couldn't shouldn't be out-coaching you. It should be, like, maybe a good battle, but, like, you shouldn't be getting out-coached like that. And the biggest reason that you can see or the biggest thing that you can point to and be like, yeah, Monty Williams suck ass is the very first game of Golden State. Steve Kurt, who I do not consider a good coach, to be honest, like, I think he's or a like, great coach. I think he's, like, good, and he found, like, the right situation and then he got basically handed a team that was like you know that first championship was legit i'm not going to take that away from him except for maybe lebron Kyrie, and kevin love both got injured in that series and then um you know then they got kd and so it's like all right well i mean like how good of a coach is steve kerr i don't i'm not saying he's a bad coach by any means i'm just saying like he's not he's not greg popovich level coach He's not – like, there's certain tiers. And, like, while he has the rings and all the accolades, it's like, well, it's it's pretty easy to win when you have all the best players on your team. And he made the most of it, for sure, but still. Um, he literally – the, all the defensive stuff that every everyone on the, every Suns fan wanted, like, talking about, like, switching defenses, like, doing multiple things, throwing more at them. Steve Kerr did all that first game. They, I mean, they blew out the Mavs in that series, man.
2: Yeah, it was. It wasn't even close. It was never close.
1: And that's what the Suns should have done to the Mavs. And so it's like it's just so easy to see. Like, I'm not saying that like the the execution was. I, I, you know, it's just like Monty Williams is supposed to be that guy. Steve Kerr is like that guy, and those they're supposed to be like similar. And you see it like it's like. Monty Williams failed this project and Steve Kerr got like a B plus and there's just a massive difference here. And that's why the suns didn't go on. And obviously you get into all the players and stuff, but it's like, you know, if the coach isn't setting up people for success, what is he doing? And that's kind of why my point earlier, on, like, you know, relying on Chris Paul to clutch all these wins in the last five minutes of the game. It's like, well, who did that help in the regular season? You know, it's like, We knew we had a really good team. We knew we were going to try to be a finals contender. It's like, how did we get to a point where clearly nobody developed enough so that way when Chris Paul, you know, who's kind of gotten injured and banged up in multiple playoffs and his entire history, it's there. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Maybe he gets, he got kind of fortuitous where, you know, maybe you can get lucky and he doesn't get hurt, but it's like his entire career, he's gotten injured at some point in the playoffs. It just has happened. And so to expect something that, has always happened to not happen. It's just not a good strategy. And so to end up in a situation where it seemed like nobody could step up because of whatever reason, but almost seemingly like the coach didn't set up anyone to succeed in case of this situation, which I guess you could kind of point specifically at Campaign's sucking ass and Landry Shamet, who we thought could be an answer, also sucking ass.
2: Oh Maybe my God, Landry Schammett is my least favorite basketball player.
1: But you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, we thought and then we got the bigs. We had we added like that extra guard. It's like you thought you had those pieces. And it's like, well, why did we think that we had these pieces that we most certainly don't have? And now we're going into an off season. It's like, yeah, dude, campaign's not the guy. Shamit sucks. We have all these expiring deals. And, you know, like now we're heading into the off season of well, we didn't pay Aiden last year, so are we gonna pay him now? What are we going to do with Aiden? Which we'll touch on in like a quick hot sec here. But I just think there's a lot of blame to go around. And I think the fact that somehow DeAndre Aiden got scapegoated is whack. And.
2: Well, I appreciate you saying that. I really think that Monty
1: Williams is not getting enough blame. I think Chris Paul is somehow getting brushed over and. The only person that probably holds almost zero blame, or maybe like one percent, is literally Devin Booker. And then maybe Jay Crowder's like a little bit a little bit more, but like he I mean he Jay Crowder's Jay Crowder. Like you you get what you get.
2: He also was the only one that looked like he gave a shit the whole series.
1: The whole series. Agreed. And it's just weird to have only two guys that like want it that bad and everyone else looked like very disinterested. So I don't really even, and I don't really know where you go with that, to be honest, because it's like, is Monty Williams the right guy for a championship level team? And cause first is think- like, and that's where it's like, that's where like kind of what I was talking about earlier is like, there's two things, right? It's like you have the Chris Paul championship window, and you have the Suns franchise with Devin Booker about to enter his prime, who is the guy, you know? Devin Booker's the franchise guy. It's not DeAndre in, it's not Chris Paul, it's not Mikhail. It's not Cam Johnson. It's not campaign. It's Devin Booker's team. And so it's like, what do we do going forward to maximize Devin Booker, who is the franchise? Monty turned around the team, but is he the right guy to take you forward? I don't think it's a thread that is talked about enough.
2: I agree. I I would say I think Monty is still the guy you want at the helm. But just because someone is the guy that you want leading the team doesn't mean that they're somehow immune from criticism. And I think that you're right. He somehow walked away from this. It's funny. I even turned because I went with my brother to the game, and I turned after that game. We were walking out, and I was like, I don't know why, but just watch. Somehow this is all going to be DeAndre Ayton's fault, even though he's the guy that literally got us through the first round into the second round. We would not have won without him. But goes down. He steps up. He gets more shots and more touches per game. And he starts putting up 25 a game. Like, you know, how quickly they forget. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Monty Williams deserves a lot of blame for that. A lot of blame for that.
1: The thing is, though, is the reason why Aiden can be so glaring at times is because a lot of the things that Monty actively chooses as his philosophy as a coach to play basketball a certain way, which is – a team that doesn't shoot many free throws a team that doesn't really get that many rebounds actively chooses to go on defense early rather than trying to collect offensive rebounds a team that you know and and basically all the things that people pick on DeAndre Ayton for not doing are all basically things that the Suns actively choose to play that way and obviously there's some other things but I DeAndre Ayton is like a whole conundrum in, of itself, but I will just say that not all the blame for the Ayton situation is on Aiden. and Monty well, and Williams like... is like definitely not maximizing Aiden. How much Ayton can do on his own is like definitely a discussion that we will disagree on. But I think it's pretty clear that Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton is not the best match of all time.
2: Well, and it's like, it's a, you bring up a good point where, you can argue all day whether or not Aiden's worth the max or not. You know, I think he is. Other people think he is. Some people think he's not like, that's a totally different argument. Whether you think he's worth the max or not is not the argument. I think everyone should hopefully be able to see and agree that we do not maximize his potential at all. We hardly get him any looks, any touches. We ask him to play, you know, lockdown defense to switch out on guards, which he does very well. And to also, you know, just go set picks and get the guards open for their, you know, time to shine. And he's been fine doing that for us this whole time. But then it's like, you turn around, it's like, well, why isn't he doing more? It's like, well, no one's passing him the ball. I th- th- he even said that, I think, in game seven, when him and Monty blew up on the bench there a little bit, I think Monty was getting after him for not, you know, doing enough, not being aggressive enough. And he said something along the lines of, like, I can't pass myself the ball, which, fair point.
1: Yeah, uh, um, Yeah, I I think that's a fair point. I think that's when you get into that discussion of whether or not DeAndre Aiden's a max player. Because I'll just push back with just simply saying, like, I think one thing about being the type of player that DeAndre Aiden wants to be versus the type of team, type of player that, like, Chris Paul and Monty need on the team is the difference between, like, a dominant Shaq type center and, like, Joel Embiid. And. DA wants to be Joel Embiid, but he doesn't have like the handles. Like, and so if you're going to pay a dude like a max deal, it's like, well, can he get himself a shot? And he can't, you know, based, you know, just based off of that. So, um, and so, but I'm with you, man. I just, I don't think it's just a weird marriage at this point. It's like, are you going to maximize Ian's potential or not? And like, why wouldn't you? And like any possible scenario. And I'm not, and I don't even think it's like a Chris Paul versus D. A. thing. Like, I think it's like Chris Paul makes DeAndre Ian really, really good, and like in the way that Chris Paul uses the center, because he can maximize that thing, which is like the DeAndre Jordan type guy. But Book on the on the flip side, like, could use a more Joel Embiid center. So that's why I personally like don't really get what I don't even really understand like the full thing on like why you can't maximize DeAndre and. Which some people will point out, like, well, he's just, like, not good at it. And then that's my point about the regular season and, like, developing him in the way that he wants to be developed. As we saw last season, if he buys in, he's a different player. And if he feels – and just, you know, even just the, the article written about him, you could tell. It's like if – the type of person that DeAndre is, is if you believe in him, he will do whatever you want him to do. If he feels like you're not on his side, he will say, fuck you. And it clearly seems like there's like an interesting, what an interesting impasse with that situation there.
2: I uh, know I do. Uh, I think you referenced like the, it's a weird marriage. And I I think that it honestly does stem from the lack of an extension that he got back in October when everyone else is getting paid. And, you know, the whole, even Chris Paul said something along the lines, like we getting him a bag this summer. So I think that's kind of the spark. And then there's just little things along the way that, maybe you'd be more willing to tolerate and not let get to you if you had been given that deal and shown love by the organization that, yeah, we want you here and we want you as part of our future. But this weird in between, I think it's hard to like, you know, stay happy and ignore some of the little slights that come your way when it's like, yeah, I don't even know if they want me here. They're not offering me a contract.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, uh let's move on with this conversation. Let's move straight to the, is DeAndre in, Max worthy, and why is the Suns going to do this off season? Simply because, like, I think it's I think everything that we're saying, like I think most people agree on, is like there's a weird locker room chemistry. Don't really know why. But the thing is, is is jane actually a Max player versus is he a Suns Max player? And would he? And I think it's honestly a reasonable question, which you got irked by, which I respect, is. Would DeAndre have been the number one overall pick if he didn't go to University of Arizona? Because one thing to remember is that Luka Doncic, Robert Sarver, and James Jones flew out to watch Luka Doncic play. And then shortly after, like literally before DeAndre played a single game after he was drafted, they fired Ryan McDonough. And so, that in itself is, like, a weird situation. Knowing that you had Igor Koskarov, like, literally, like, the Luka Doncic coach, it's like, you know, like, it's just, there's so many weird things there. And so, is DeAndre in the max? Would Let's start here. Do you think DeAndre would have been drafted number one overall still, even if you think of the U of A? Yes. Okay. I disagree. I disagree. I think, well,
2: I think for the exact reason that you just outlined, it's like if there ever was a sign that we were going to take someone else other than Aiden, number one, like Luca, it was that our coach was Igor, like the perfect setup for that, and we still didn't draft him. So I think Aiden, he was projected number one going into it. He was the number one overall ESPN commit. I, I think he was always destined to go number one.
1: See, yeah, I just I, – I don't think so. Honestly, like, I feel like Ryan McDonough tried to save his job and he kind of balked when it came down to the final decision of like, should we go Luka or Aiden?
2: But Luka and, didn't but even think, go two. L- Luka was not even the second overall pick.
1: Well, that's because the Sacramento Kings are literal poverty. You know, that's, that's <laughs> a whole different situation. Because <laughs> it really was Luka or Aiden. That was like the decision for the Suns. And so, but off that happy with
2: the decision we made.
1: Yeah, off that. Um the DeAndre Aiden Max thing is just interesting because to me it feels like DeAndre Aiden's agent. And like Chris Paul hyped them up last year to think that Aiden was gonna get the five year full max deal. Well, everyone thought that. When in reality though, the Phoenix Suns, there's no there was no like you, you know, like, there was no reason they had to do that at all. And you look at, like, the position that they're in right now, it's like the most of the other t- nobody can offer DeAndre Ayton as much as he wants from the Suns or that he can get from the Suns. And not only that, is that, like, the five-year bird rights thing, it's like, I don't know. It's like they, there's no reason for the Suns to do that at all. To be honest, you know, because he's not Booker, which I guess like and then the Booker superstar extension, I think we both agree, like definitely do that. He needs to be a lifetime son no matter what, like keep him happy at all costs. I think Aiden's like an ancillary piece and I don't think that like, I, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Or you I, totally disagree. Like, he has to I, get his son's team to matter at all costs.
2: I completely disagree. I think you let Aiton walk, and this team will never sniff the finals again. Well, but
1: he can't walk, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, he can't what? go anywhere. He has what? no he has no leverage whatsoever. That's why, to me, it's like this whole thing is so silly. And whether sure, or not you but... – There's nothing that he can do, man.
2: Like Unless the, he, like,
1: the... literally pulls a James Harden and forces his way out.
2: But but like, your like, whole – your whole argument about, like, the Suns, why would they have maxed him last year when they didn't need to? Like, they can match this summer. It's like, yeah, that is technically true. But, like, look at look at what's happened. You know, now you have somebody who it's like, does he want to be here? Have we pissed him off enough that he doesn't even want to play here anymore? And that's why that's well, why you walk him push, down.
1: I would push back that. That's why a lot of Suns fans don't really like Aiden,
2: to be honest, because it doesn't really even seem like he cares whether he's a Phoenix Sun or not. Well, I mean, how many times can you sacrifice your own personal stats? You're never on ESPN. No one gives a shit about who you are because you're in Phoenix, and you do all this for the you're team just with in the, the finals. Promise. You do all this for the team with the promise that you're going to get a max contract. And then what do they do when it comes time? They balk, and now there's talks of sign and trade. Which that is the I don't know if you've seen some of these proposed sign and trades, but oh my god, if you want to immediately destroy this team and make sure that they're a six seed at best please do that because it's fucking ridiculous i mean these online Suns fans are absolute morons i'd like i just pray that james jones is as smart as he seems like he is and doesn't actually pay attention to any of that kind of stuff because i don't know i also think it's a weird thing with james jones like how much of it is that's not the guy i drafted like you know it's not his guy so is there any loyalty there but at the end of the day, you hope he does the smart thing, which is match any offer that he gets, give him the four year max or five year max.
1: Well, here's the thing all right, you see, like you, you're you putting too much stuff together. Like, here's the thing is like DeAndre cannot go elsewhere, he cannot, therefore, he's literally waiting on. Well, there's like a few things, but a- for Aiden's thing is like he literally can't go anywhere until the sun decides. So, for him to do like a lot of the things that he's been doing makes no sense, even just from a pure leverage standpoint. Like, it doesn't make any sense because you're making it harder to deal him out. So, it's making it harder for the Suns to move him to a, maybe another place that he wants to go. If that,
2: but yeah, the there's, 30, side, there's 31 but the teams side, out there that, that would love to have DeAndre yeah, go
1: hang out with the Pistons and lose 80 games a year, man. Like, if that's the type of player that DeAndre wants to be later, man. Like, that's what I'm saying. There's a difference between the old franchise of the Suns, the last 10 years, versus today's franchise. Like, today's franchise, even if you remove Chris Paul, like, it's Devin Booker's prime. It's a contending window of, like, eight to nine years. And if DeAndre wants to go put up big numbers and maximize all his money, he can go somewhere else. And I think that's, like, not... A abnormal take, and I think that's the most the take of like most Suns fans at this point is like it doesn't seem like Aiden wants to win and we want to win. Like we're tired of losing. We yeah, suffered.
0: Yeah. And disagree. so my
1: flip point is just simply like James Jones, the way he's built every contract being ex- almost every contract is expiring. Landry Shaman is a valuable trade asset simply because it's a lower deal. Like for how much he is getting paid is like not really that much as compared to other similar type players. It's like fifty million. Yeah, but it's the way that the deal is structured, and it's like over. It's really like just not an expensive deal. And Chris Paul's deal, how it's like voidable in a few years, and it's only get half guaranteed. Devin Booker's money is like irrelevant because the Suns' salary you can. Bet on the NBA salary cap going up by the time it even gets locked in, him being the first team all NBA extension. And so it's really just the team is built for this offseason. If a superstar is open, that they are going to go get him, which makes me think that James Jones does not think DeAndre Hayden is a superstar or capable of it. And so that's like, that's where I'll end that point is like, I think. James Jones does not care at all about how DeAndre Ayton feels and he's going to do whatever's best for the team. He doesn't care about how Suns fans feel. He doesn't care about how anybody feels except for Devin Booker. And that's it. I, I, I think that if you think about it in that way, in that context, and in like, which I think is the most likely if you're James Jones, everything makes way more sense. And you look some uh, some superstars who are out there I'm not saying it's likely, but Kevin Durant's plot line's thicken as they might not sign Kyrie, as, you know, Suns have a ton of assets. If they are going to do that, they could do something with Ayton, where all those sign-in trades that look totally dumb can collect a ton of of draft capital for a team that's looking to rebuild, which would be the Nets. And I'm not saying that we're going to do that, but I'm just saying, like, you look at this contract and this whole thing, it's not about Aiden whatsoever. It's about making the Suns team have a second superstar for Devin Booker's prime. Knowing that Chris Paul, like, he'll be serviceable probably for a long time, but the – and the window started earlier because he's on the team. But it's almost like if you talk about it as if it's DeAndre Aiton, And, like, then it's, like, all this stuff. But if you just talk about, okay, the Phoenix Suns and it's Devin Booker's championship window, it's, like, everything gets way more simplified. It's, like, it really is not about – Aiden's not the franchise. Devin Booker is. Okay, so how do we maximize Book? It's, like, okay, well, we have every piece that we possibly could have. The contracts are clean. We have all our draft picks. We have things that people would want that are rebuilding – We have everything that we want to do. And if something comes open, we are like the destination. We are like the team that can do anything. And that's where James Jones is. I don't think he really cares about anybody's feelings about it.
2: I mean, yeah, but if you want to do what's best for the team, you sign Aiton because this team is a championship team. They're young as hell. You keep the core of Booker, McHale, Cam, and Aiton together. And you can build around that, you know, with an agent, Chris Paul. I don't know why you trade that away for some pipe dream that Kevin Durant's going to come here or Look, Dame I'm Lillard, like, Kevin Durant as like an
1: example like it could no be but anything. I've seen
2: that online like the amount of Suns fans that genuinely in their hearts believe that we're going to get Kevin Durant or Dame Lillard it's like no we're not one and two like maybe I'm alone in this but that just feels that feels cheap you know I don't, I don't want to win that way I don't want to do the whole like oh we just signed a Hall of Famer to some deal because he was unhappy with his organization. Like I want to do it the right way, the way we're doing it and build a team. That's actually going to be here for a decade as contenders versus a team that, you know, tries to go for it all one time and then we suck after that again. Like, I just don't want to do that. Um, But I mean, I get what you're saying. I see, you know, I hope James Jones would have the team in mind. I think it'll be interesting to see the off season, you know, what What actually gets done versus not done. And also with the Sarver investigation wrapping up, like, are we going to have a new owner? Maybe one that's it feels more like, like it, doesn't it? It do you does.
1: Like, do you feel likely? Like, if you were to give it like a, a do you like 60-40, 50-50, 80-20,
2: 90-10? I'd say 85-15 <laughs> Sarver's going.
1: Okay. I think so, too. And I think that's yeah. the reason why that's important is people narrow in as the Aiden deal is the thing that pushes everybody over the luxury tax
2: but we will have a guy that is willing to pay fucking money to have a good team Well, Hopefully.
1: there's like a bunch of things with that but simply like if you remove Aiden's deal next year the Suns are a luxury tax team no matter what if you sign Cam Johnson um, yeah. or like the two years after that whatever it's like th- this team is a luxury tax team going forward it just is what it is and so Aiden's deal is almost like negligent or like negligible. And simply, you if you're a luxury tax team, you have to do what like the Warriors did with a lot of the trade rules and the sign-in trade that we're seeing with Aiden, how you can only like send so much money away and get so much back. There's a lot of weird rules like that with the luxury tax. And if you're about to be a luxury tax team, you want to have as much, as many con- good contracts as possible because basically all you can do going forward is like you get capped at the, like the point that you enter the luxury tax. Yeah. Like you can't really go above that unless you're taking on trades and stuff. Like the, Essentially the Warriors is like the perfect example of like this. How they traded Kevin Durant to the Nets and they got back picks and DeAngelo Russell and then traded Russell and they got back Wiggins. It's like that's the stuff that you have to do once you're a luxury tax team, which again, like the Suns are that now. And so having a better owner, obviously, would be sick. That would
2: help. That would help. But here's here's what I'll end on, Cuse, I think. Um, Because, you know, you could talk all day about potential moves and whatnot. But I think people should take a deep breath and relax. This team is a championship-caliber team. They went to the finals. Like, it's been less than a year since we were in the NBA finals.
1: I don't don't think so.
2: And then we set the franchise record for wins.
1: We got
2: uh, fraud. I mean, they're yeah. clearly frauds, not like, frauds franchise record for wins after appearing in the finals. That's not fraudulent. This team is a championship caliber team. They're the best team in basketball. Honestly, like even watching these two teams, like the Warriors and Celtics played out regular season Suns were better than that. Obviously they didn't show it in the playoffs, but I think they're a whole tier above the rest of the NBA. Um, I think the solution is very simple. I know there's a bunch of different arguments out there, but, Go get Ricky Rubio. He's an unrestricted free agent from Indiana right now. That was my go.
1: idea, bro. I like I know. that
2: idea. I like it. I'm saying go get Ricky Rubio. You got a guy now that if Chris Paul does crumble in the playoffs, you got a capable backup point guard. On top of that, you also have somebody you can use more in the regular season so that maybe you spare Chris Paul from those, you know, long season injuries. Yep. And then sign DeAndre Ayton. You run this team back with Ricky Rubio as a backup point guard. You can't tell me that team's not a legit team.
1: No, I I actually, if Ricky Rubio came back, I think that would be a great move. I think that, honestly, we, we've we kind of, like, run out of time. I don't want to go too, too much longer. I think there's a lot of things the Suns can do. I think the priority has to be helping Book with ball handling. And I think, clearly, I just think that I don't agree with you, though, that the Suns are, like, most definitely a championship contending team going forward. I think that Chris Paul is now officially old. Like, he's old, old. Not like, oh, he's, like, at the end of his, like, he's, like, close to. Or he's past his prime, but he's, like, still good. He's, like, officially 37 years old starting next season. Like, that's really old for a basketball player. Um, so, he, him being, like, a main superstar, I think. I don't think you can run that back. I think you have to do a move um, or eight has to get a lot better. And I don't know if Aiden's shown that he has the capability truthfully. And so that's why that was what would make me hesitant on just running it back. Is simply like the finals run last year, like truth be told, like a little lucky with a lot of stuff, whether it be even a campaign, like 40 point game, Like that campaign wasn't here this year. Um, Last year's team was almost like a totally different team, and I don't think that going forward, book will give. Yeah, I just I don't think that's true. I think the Lakers probably will do something. I think the Nuggets are healthy again. I think that the Clippers are healthy again. I think Golden State has a lot of youth on their team, so that's going to extend a lot of the primes for the Warriors. I think that. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that makes those those teams necessarily title contenders. I'm just saying the playoff run, the New Orleans Pelicans will be the easiest playoff matchup the Suns have had in a long time, and going forward, and that was a struggle bus for them. And like the Pelicans are coming, Memphis is really good. There's just more teams, and so whether or not a title contender, as in like, yeah, this team's gonna win the title, I don't think so, man. I think deep playoff runs for sure. But if you want to be a real title contender and get back to the finals in Pro- in books prime, this isn't the team. So right. I think that's I, I, think, I think that's not the James Stone decision. But I think that's the James Stone decision right now. Like that's why it's like if you look at it through that lens versus like, what are we doing at Aiton, It's like, no, man, what are we doing with them on Bookers Prime?
2: Oh. Yeah, I think we beat I think we beat this as much as we can, but yeah, I disagree with you. I think this team is a is very capable of being a championship caliber team and I think we should do our best to try to maximize that. I agree with you, maximize books prime for sure.
1: Um yeah, man, I don't know. I guess we could get it way more in the details, but there's really no use. I feel like that was a good Suns wrap up. That was, yeah. And I mean, obviously we'll see what the offseason moves. I don't I don't really feel like, I don't think anyone knows what James Jones is going to do. And so I don't think it's worth even speculating on. Um, But I, I think that, as I kind of been saying, like I think that's his mindset going forward. And I think that there's definitely a James Jones inflection point at this point as well. Like this is his off season to show actually if he's a good GM or if he just got kind of lucky. Because there's definitely some moves that you can point to at this point, whether it be Jalen Smith, either drafting him or not extending him, That's definitely questionable. And also, just even like bringing in Landry Schmidt as if that's the answer. Oh my
2: god, ew, fuck that, dude! I can't <laughs> wait till he's not on the team. Oh my god. And so
1: that's so that's my point. I I just definitely think James Jones honeymoon season's over, and this is definitely like okay, James, this is your off season. And you've done everything. What are you gonna do with this team? And so that's that's exciting, at, but at the same time, like the season's disappointing. And obviously, it would be sweet to have. And we don't even necessarily have to trade Aiden. I think that's like something that people don't really necessarily realize with a lot of the expiring deals. And then also Cam Johnson and or Mikael Bridges being like very valuable pieces to any team. There's a lot of expiring deals, and one of those guys. That realistically gets you a really good player. So Aiton, Chris Paul, Booker, and somebody else as like a big four. That's nasty. Um, what that exactly looks like? I don't. I don't know. We'll see what James Jones can come up with. But I definitely think James Jones is on the hot seat, and I think Monty is on the hot seat. And because this is all Booker, baby. It's the Booker show.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. And
1: so, but I don't know, man. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Obviously, Coyotes draft one month away. That's big. D backs are playing good ball. Um, Cardinals are sleeping. It feels like, but I still really like Kyler Murray to carry Cliff and Khan for a long time here. So we'll get to those at some point in the next couple weeks, but we wanted to end it here now that we fully recovered from the Suns and uh yeah bro any lasting thoughts i know we kind of beat that down but i felt like it was kind of necessary
2: no that was that was definitely necessary i think we had we had a you know big appetite with this pod maybe talking on some of the new like coyote stuff feedback stuff but yeah i think we were good to focus on the uh the Suns there andrew sent us in some questions that you know i don't want to skip out on our boy there so i will we will definitely hit up a a pod pretty recent, yeah, you know, pretty soon here we're gonna link up now that summer's here and i'm not busy with classes and you know it's just basically when cuse is going to be free from his coast to coast job that he's rocking so we'll be able to pump out some episodes a little bit more frequently so andrew don't fret we'll get to your questions for the next pod. don't that's, worry
1: that's such a great point back man it's good to be back i'm excited for the summer pod run
2: yeah let's let's make the most out of it
1: Hundred percent, but you're the man, dude. I'll let you slide. Thanks, you. Thank you for listening, Dry Heat Pod listeners. We are now active on Twitter, and uh, I think we've been doing okay. Alec, have you checked out our Twitter?
2: Yeah, we've been doing we've been doing pretty good. Gotten some uh, interactions with some of the local AZ media guys and some of the local Twitter guys. So you know, you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere, baby. Oh, also, shameless plug. Uh, you know. We haven't gotten, that, unfortunately, that many donations outside of our group, hoping to grow that a little bit, but Perdomo hit fund. All proceeds go to St. Vincent de Paul or other food banks, depending on when we hit to that 100 bucks. we vote on the charity to give it to. So, you know, keep track of those Perdomo base knocks.
1: Venmo, Perdomo base knocks, 99. Also, look, Perdomo's so underrated, bro. Tell, Tell your friends. Perdomo's so underrated.
2: He said so oh good. yeah also also real quick just you know what what so Prodomo hits a grand slam he's gotten like a hit in several games in a row now and then what Lavillo benches him for some reason I don't understand that <sighs> We'll save that for another
1: pod bro <laughs> We'll save that for another pod Yeah yeah, yeah. The right. HP bites the dust thank you Alec thank you listeners we'll see you soon
2: Kill did it always cues thanks guys Peace